in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby. Done. Hey guys. Wow, a bonus episode. Crazy. Everyone's so excited. Okay, so this is a bonus episode that we recorded with Mara Wilson. Um, she's amazing. She's an actress that you might know from Matilda, or you might know her from Bojack Horseman, where she's incredible. And she wrote an amazing book called Where Am I Now? I love Mara. She's amazing. Uh, she's a very good IRL buddy. So enjoy this. We loved the conversation with Mara, obviously, but we just didn't know where it would fit in either season. So we're going to give it to you guys. Just give it to you guys as a special bonus and also because Mara is awesome. Also, I wanted to let you guys know that I, Gabby Dunn, am going on tour. It starts September 5th. You can get information about the tour at GabbyAndAllison.com, G-A-B-Y and the word and, A-L-L-I-S-O-N.com. And there are tour dates there for Philly, New York, Boston, Chicago, Minneapolis, Dallas, and San Francisco and LA right now. And um, also the reason we're going on tour is because on September 5th, 
our book, I Hate Everyone But You, comes out. And I Hate Everyone But You is a YA novel. It's about two friends who go away to college. And it's not very YA, actually, because there's a lot of uh, stuff in it, sex and stuff. But it is also a great gift for anyone who is your best friend or anyone who is in college or going away to college. And uh, it is about a girl dealing with mental health stuff and also her friend who is dealing with coming out and LGBT stuff, which is my wheelhouse. So I think there's something for everyone and you will enjoy it. It's called I Hate Everyone But You and it is available on Amazon or IndieBound or wherever books are sold for pre-order. So please pre-order it because it makes me look good. And now, on to Mara Wilson. I live in New York, but I'm here a lot, um, and I grew up out here. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just I'm, didn't realize that you... Um... So, I'm I'm here a lot, and I'm here a lot, especially more these days, because, uh, because I'm trying to work more out here. I think that I could probably get... I could probably actually make money as a writer out here. For TV? Yeah, I would yes! love to. Um, That'd and be so, awesome. Yeah, so that's stuff that I'm working on right now, and uh, so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of scoping it out, and basically probably going to be by coastal in the next year or so mm. um which is which is fine by me i didn't like la when i grew up here but i think a lot of people try to leave like if they yeah, grow up here they try to leave yeah but but i've i've come to appreciate it more especially since i was diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder oh yeah no i love it here that's what i mean when i was living in new york i was a miserable person yeah like, miserable yeah like i i now I feel I've talked to you. Do you know Griffin Newman? Yeah, totally. So I talked to him, and we have different opinions on this. Where I said I need to live in LA because when I walk out of my house, I need to be like, "You're already depressed, but look, it's so beautiful outside." Yeah. And he was like, "I need to live in New York because when I would walk out of my house I, in LA, I would be like, stop mocking me.'" That's how I felt when I was young. Yeah, that's really? how I felt when I was young. I felt like it was cruel, and I felt like there was really nowhere to hide. Really? And, yeah, and I didn't like that. So, but now I I don't want to be depressed. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't want to be surrounded by anxious, sarcastic people all the time. Like like especially when I look at the people that I date, the people that I date are all like they're all Hufflepuffs. You know, <laughs> they're all they're all like nice, upbeat, laid back people. Yeah. So so yeah. it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of yeah it's it's I'm like maybe I should be spending more time out here. Yeah, there's a um, lot of those people out here. Yeah. So tell us who you are a little bit and um, and also what your book is about. Okay. Um, I'm Mara Wilson. I am a writer. I'm a storyteller. I am a uh, sometime actor, uh, mostly voice acting these days. Uh, and I was a child actor known for roles in movies like Mrs. Doubtfire and Matilda. And my book is called Where Am I Now? And it is, yeah, that's it's a funny name. It's so good. And it is a memoir of my childhood and adolescence. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so do you remember the first time that you made money from acting? Because this is, a, so this shows backstory yeah. context. The show's about money. I'm yeah. very bad with money. Um, <laughs> and I specifically wanted to talk to creatives about money. So yeah. that's why I want to start with like, do you remember making money from acting? Did your parents tell you what was going on, that you were going to be getting paid, all that kind of thing? I, I didn't really know that I was getting paid. I thought that it was just kind of this fun, interesting thing to do. And I, I'd made the connection because I was a very, I was a very extroverted little kid. I, I would talk to anybody, and I, I loved to sing and to perform for everybody. And, uh, and apparently, I was a well-behaved kid too, so it wasn't obnoxious. But I, I really, really loved to perform, and I loved to have that kind of attention on me. And my oldest brother had been doing a little bit of acting too. He was a, a quick study. He had like a really great voice and a really good ear, and. Uh, our family actually had been cast in a toothpaste commercial. The whole um, family? The whole family, because they were doing this sort of like family testimonials thing, you know. And and it was the late 80s. I think they were like, oh, let's try for authenticity now. And so so they uh, <laughs> they had these families. And it's great because I actually watched the tape uh, about 10 years ago. And the tape on, on the tape, there are two families. And the first family is this like... They're all California blonde, you know. They all, like, play guitar and sing in a band together. Great. And they're sitting on their lawns, and they're just, like, you know. And they're, they're, the hair is blowing in the wind, and it's just, like, this beautiful, gorgeous family. And then 
there's our family. <laughs> and the commercial for our family opens with my mom saying that sometimes she feels like a drill she feels like a drill sergeant. Ha! And she has four kids and I'm a baby on her hip and it opens with her yelling at one of my brothers for hitting one of my other brothers. And, and that's all real. Yeah, and it's all real. And I'm just like, okay, great. This <laughs> is we're that family, you know? Like compared to this like like Aryan almost creepy perfectness. You yeah. know, we're the we're the the family. We had three boys and and then me. And after that, my my oldest brother had uh, started doing more acting, and I saw what he was doing, and I think I kind of made the connection between you know what I was doing in front of the camcorder at home and what he was doing in real life. And so I told my mom I wanted to audition, and she said, "No, you don't." And they <laughs> tried their best to explain rejection to me, and I started going out on auditions. And I don't think they ever thought that I would make it. Which I think is the only reason that they actually let me keep going. Yeah. So uh, eventually I was cast in an Oscar Mayer Lunchables commercial. I'm not sure if it ever aired, but uh, but I did – I think I did get paid for it. Did you know that actors got paid? Like you knew that was a job that a kid could have? Kind of. I knew it was to be taken seriously, but I had no concept of money outside of, you know, my allowance. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just kind of like – okay, uh, this is a thing that we do now and this is a thing that I'm doing for the experience and for, you know, and, and you know, we, we made like little scrapbooks. When I was cast in a movie, we made like little scrapbooks of it. Mm-hmm. And immediately though, when I started acting in movies, kids at school started asking me, how much money did you get? Right. Like, yeah. There, yeah. And I had no idea. And I mean, to me at that time, $100 was like the most money that you could have, you right. know? I So I really didn't understand. And they wouldn't have understood either. But so, other kids were like, you must be rich. Yeah. So I just started saying, and my parents had like made this pact with, you know, themselves and I guess with me that they would not touch my money. Mm-hmm. They would not touch my money. They would not use my money, even though we had... Even though we were this lower middle class family with, you know, five kids and everybody shared rooms. My three brothers all shared one room and I shared a room with my sister until I was 14 and all Mm -hmm. my brothers had gone off to college and so I could have my own room, you know. And and we were never – we were – like I don't remember being hungry but my brothers do, you know. And and I don't remember – I don't remember – I do remember like – I remember seeing my parents worried about money, but never, never panicked. What did they you know? do? Um, my mom, well, my mom kind of freelanced because she was so, she was pregnant so often during our lives <laughs> that like, that like she would get, she would work as a librarian. She would work as a substitute teacher. She would work on the school board. Uh, mm-hmm. She, she would volunteer with the PTA. She volunteered for every organization in Burbank and everybody knew her. She was sort of a pillar of that town and, uh, and she she would would do all of those things, but then when it was time for her to actually like consider a career, <laughs> she would get pregnant again. Oh. And yeah, so that what kept town? happening. What town were you in? Burbank, oh, Burbank, okay. California. Yeah, and uh, my father is an electronics engineer. Okay, so he uh, he works at a TV station. And he has for he has my whole life worked mm-hmm. at work at, at TV stations. Uh, so that's what he does, but he was kind of supporting us. So when did you first see like a check from acting and go, "Oh, I made that"? Um, I would see like residuals checks come. I I think that I I remember actually being on the set of Matilda, and somebody like looking around for like per diems and paychecks for the kids, and I remember thinking to myself. Like, I was jealous. I was like, hey, why don't I get that? Because I was, you know, eight and I finally had a concept of money. You know, yeah. money was a thing that, you know, you could use to buy American Girl dolls. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and I was like, hey, how come I don't get that? And then I kind of realized later on, I was like, oh, it's probably because they send I, – I, I make more money than the extras. And right. they probably send it to a different place. Right. And, and – uh, but I still didn't know. I still I still didn't know until, like – well into college and in college I I like I basically I I still didn't have like full uh control over my money and so there were times when even though I had this money in the bank like I was basically broke and I was living this broke life and every people in college were like why are you asking us to borrow money right why couldn't you just go to the bank and and get and and you know and I'm like well I I don't know it's all in California it's all it's all different it's 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 just so hard to explain and you know and I have to do these things was and, it under like your parents bank account yeah I think it was and and so my dad would like send me 
almost an allowance right. <laughs> um, per, you know, per month. And I would have to stretch that, which in, you know, New York, when you haven't spent mm-hmm. money before is really hard. So I would get mad. Yeah. Were you like, ma- I would get mad if I like had babysitting money and my parents whatever took it or whatever or something like I would I had a very strong I remember a very strong concept of like that's mine yeah. and I could buy as many Archie comics as I want like you know yeah I don't think they ever did that because they they knew that I had enough money so that it was okay mm-hmm. but you know and and they never took they never took money from me mm-hmm. I mean my dad would definitely do that thing sometimes where we'd be like hey dad can I have $20 and he'd visit $20 and then he'd slip his hand away a yeah, few times yeah. you know which is which is uh but it was never yeah it was never they they wouldn't do that but I I would have been mad too yeah I would have been mad too and um so I decided you... I decided to use my money to go to uh an arts boarding school yeah for two years and then I decided to use it and then I knew I was going to use it for NYU mm-hmm. um and so you I, were okay with them, with, with like putting it away? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, totally. I I think that it was the concept of it was kind of too overwhelming for me, and I'm sort of, I'm I'm, I don't know. I'm I think I'm very much a product of the middle class of of, of the lower middle class. I would say because I'm not. I don't know. I'm I'm much more like my mother in terms of personality, but my father is very very pragmatic mm-hmm. and the kind of person who won't buy something new. Uh, you know, just for the sake of having something new. He's mm-hmm. not that kind of person. It's you get something that lasts long. You know, you get something, you you buy everything, you know, used if you can. You try. It's it's very much like you don't buy something until you absolutely need it. You know, I will right. wear my shoes until they are falling apart. Oh, yeah. And that's that's sort of, that's, that's the attitude that I grew up with. Like, we would go shopping for uh, dresses to wear at premieres at at like at Target, mm-hmm. you know, at at I do that now. You at can get Mervin's. great. <laughs> yeah, you can. At Forever 21, yeah. you know. And like I like I remember once my mom taking me to like Fred Siegel mm-hmm. once, you know. Uh and and other than that it was just like nope, we're just going to, you know. I wore a dress that uh my friend's mom had like made and and painted designs on on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah. When I was yeah, when I was 9 and that was and it was just kind of like we we you know, we were supposed to be frugal. That was just the way that it was. And mm-hmm. so and I always grew up thinking like, oh, I you know, and I so I didn't really realize how not well off we were until I got to college and then I started meeting these people. And I mean, obviously, we lived in a house. We were privileged. We lived in a house. We we lived in the suburbs. We, you know, I don't remember ever being starving or or anything. But, you know, then then I met like like I remember my college boyfriend. Uh, I borrowed a shirt from him once. Uh, and when we broke up, he was like I was like, I should give it back to you. And he's like, whatever. It's just from the gap. Oh, and that was just like. But the gap is, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shirt was that shirt was thirty dollars and not ten dollars. I used to you think know? that about Abercrombie and Fitch when I would see kids wearing Abercrombie yeah. and Fitch in middle school. I'd be like, oh my god, I have to get. And then I went to Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah. And I bought just like a plain shirt because I was yeah. like, that is what I can afford. But yeah. just knowing it was from there, I was like, yeah, I've done it. Yeah, totally. I've infiltrated. Totally. Oh, I was so anti Abercrombie. I was so anti it. I was. I was a very yeah. I was. I was. But very... that makes you a better person. <laughs> I think. I mean, yeah. I. I think. Well, I. I don't know because I think that there was a lot of maybe being like, I'm not like the other girls. I'm not like the other kids. Oh yeah. You know. Which but is, I which knew is a... I wasn't, and I was still like, maybe I will try to be. Yeah. Here's my attempt. There were definitely times when I. I tried to be. I, I tried to be cool. Yeah. And uh, never succeeded. <laughs> is there? Um. So. Was I? I like the idea. Of you talking about going on Rosie O'Donnell? I like the. I, I'm very fascinated by because I'm a YouTuber. The the break between financial security and fame, yeah. and so like the idea that you as a kid are like going on a talk show that you know other kids are not doing that. Yeah. But you also are like, well, I'm going to wear this dress that my friend's mom made. Yeah. Like, did you have any realization of like, okay, I'm doing stuff that like. Tom Cruise is doing or I'm doing stuff that like kids at school are not doing. I think I did and and but for a while I think I didn't because I grew up in Burbank where you know kids would come out for pilot season all the time. Oh yeah yeah. And yeah. you know my brothers had had gone to middle school with uh with Kirsten Dunst and mm-hmm. you know we we all knew people who worked in the the film industry and we all knew people who worked at Disney and we all knew you know people would have license plates that said like part of the magic Walt Disney Studios, you know, and and it was and that was just like what your friend's dad did, 
Right. You know? And so so it was kind of it was it was kind of I was just like, Oh, what I'm doing is the same thing that as they're what they're doing. And then I remember my mom having to talk me down after like I didn't win the and, and I don't know why schools always do this. They're a really dumb idea, but they have the like crazy clothes day. Oh yeah. Kind of thing. Spirit and week. yeah, the spirit week kind of thing. And I remember in elementary school not winning, even though like clearly I had the funniest costume. Right. And my my mom was like, Okay, but Mara, you know, you can't be upset over this. You got to go to the Oscars. How many kids get ha! to go to the Oscars? You know? Perspective. Yeah. And she, she kept she kept saying that to me, but I think that I was also taught like you have to be modest, you can't talk about your successes, you can't do these things. So I got very mixed messages and I always took them to the extremes. Mm-hmm. I was very much a like all or nothing kind of kid. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, so I, I think I did realize it in some ways, but I, I was just like, I don't know, I've I've had lifelong imposter syndrome. So Yeah. Yeah. But anyone who I think has any success maybe feels like that. Like they're about yeah. to get it taken away. Especially in Hollywood, especially like the uncertainty. Well, of... I think, yeah. Well, I think you need a little bit of it, actually. I mean, I think that, like, I definitely, I'm I'm glad every day that my parents raised me in, you know, in, in like, I continued to live this middle class life, that I mm-hmm. didn't live the life of a movie star, that my parents didn't give me everything I wanted, because I think that's good. I think that builds character, you know? I think uh, if I have kids, they'll share a room. Yeah. You know, they're going to, you know, they're going to know when we go on a vacation that this is a privilege. This is something not everybody has. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and we're I'm I'm going to be ruthlessly pragmatic because I think that that's a good thing. And I think that you also one thing that you also need is you need people to tell you when you're wrong. Yeah. You need people to keep you in check. And that is something that I think my parents were good at doing. And I remember one of my brothers, I th- must have been my oldest brother, telling me once when I was, you know, 13 and pissed off at my dad, he said, you know, I remember when I turned like, you know, 17 or 18, dad said to me, do you see why we did this stuff now? Oh. You know, do you see why we were so hard on you? Do you see why we were strict? You know? Mm-hmm. And and I was like, well, that's never going to happen with me. And then, you know, I look back now and I'm like, of course, my parents weren't perfect because nobody's parents are. But... But I'm like, oh, they, you know, a lot of the times they were doing the best they could, you know, and yeah, I needed or those they things. they were trying to keep you from like a fate. Yeah, totally. Sort of a cliched fate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Do you, um, did, do you remember see and like having any concept of the amount of money and then being like, oh, that's crazy that I'm making that or that? Because you talked about, you said like. When you're a kid, you're like, whoa, 100 bucks is yeah. a, an amazing amount of money. No, I had no idea. I had no idea of how much it was. I mean, I think I started to learn more about money when we did, like, cost of living things at school. Yeah, and but I, would, so, I remember being yeah. surprised sometimes by, like, oh, wow, that's how much I get paid to act? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that was – it was definitely – I think I, – I don't think I ever really saw those things. I, I just kind of didn't worry about them. I didn't think about them. I mean, there were times when I was getting older that I was doing some films that I knew weren't the greatest, but – I was like, well, at least this will help pay for college. Yeah, you know, so so I knew I knew I had that. You know, I had that. I I I had that pragmatic approach. But then, I think that I think that I didn't really know mm-hmm. until I was in college. And I remember, or until I was in high school, at least, I was talking to my dad once, and I said, like, how much money is it? Can I live off it for the rest of my life? And he was like, No, you can't. But it's enough to get you through college, and you know, right. to be a cushion. Do you? And, yeah. um... Do you still – are you still – like, is it, is there still, like, a bank account where you're like, here's all my money from acting? Like, do you still have that to live off of? Yeah. I mean, NYU definitely took a chunk, chunk out of it. Yeah. Um, I can't live off of it. I can't – I can't live off of it, you know? But I – like, I need to be making money. But it definitely has gotten me through the past few years, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that cushion. So every time – every time I I think that I'm – I'm like, oh, I never should have acted. I'm like, well, then I wouldn't be able to afford, you know, the apartment that I live in. I wouldn't be able to take cabs if I want to. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to, you know, go to a concert or, you know, buy my niece and nephew really good birthday presents. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be able to do those things that, you know, to visit my family. I visit I'm, – I'm close with my brothers and sister and they all live in different places. And so I I visit them – I visit them a lot. And that's – you know, those are my vacations. So I, I wouldn't have the money to do that if I if I hadn't done this. And I think I think also sort of a generational thing. Like I think Generation X was very much about like 
we're never going to sell out, man, because they, they <laughs> saw well, because they saw like the, the coldness and the and the awful stuff that came with it in the, the 70s and 80s, you know, just all the all the mass consumption and how it made their parents, you know, even more miserable. Yeah. And then but now, like everybody I know wants to sell out. Everybody I know is like, oh, man, if if some, you know, I don't even think of it company, that way anymore. Because yeah. I mean, I a lot of times with YouTubers, the thing about selling out is like you did a sponsored video. And to me, it's like we put yeah. out so much content for free that if if we do one video that's sponsored that allows us to keep yeah. making 200 videos for you guys for free, yeah. then let us have that. Yeah, and and that kind of and that kind of annoys me when people are are like annoyed about ads or annoyed about this, and I'm like, these people have to live. Yeah, you they know? do want me. Like someone was yeah. angry with me today for a sponsored thing I did on Instagram, and I was like, I I can't write back because the brand will be mad. But I wanted to be like. Okay, then I'll just stop. You know, the the content that I make that you enjoy, that brings yeah. you joy, I'll stop yeah. doing it. Yeah. Like, you want me to just stop the channel? I'll stop it right now. I mean, every now and then I've had, like, organizations or, you know, companies send me things and think that, like, I can spread the word about it. Yeah. You know, but that doesn't happen very often. Like, honestly, and, and I feel I feel bad, like... I mean, there are a few that I just, I just, organizations that I just, like, 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 thanks, underwear. I, I've done stuff sure, with them because yeah. they're great. And, like, and and part of me is, like, if people are going to be contacting me at all, I wish it were pet food companies <laughs> because <laughs> I need to feed my cats. But I also feel guilty because I'm, like, I don't deserve these handouts. You know? What have I done? Yeah, giving them to you for free. But uh, but I think, like, if I'm going to make a video yeah. about your product, yeah. then you should pay me to make it's that just, video. It's just life. It's the way that it is. And I think that we we have to, you know, it's it's you, you kind of can't afford. You kind of can't afford to. I mean, you can do things. I think that there are things that you can do. Like, if you are... And I've talked to people about this before. If you are like a woman who is writing for a website and all you were doing is writing about how fat and ugly other women are yeah. or how awful they are, you know, that that you know, that is something that I wouldn't do, you know. If you were if you were trying to It's a to, different definition of selling out. That's yeah, selling out your beliefs, not yeah, shilling for a product. Yeah. And and I think that yeah, and and you know, when I was when I was 15, I don't know if I would have said like shilling for a product is better. Then, then, yeah, I think maybe selling out your beliefs, but I think that I think that it, it, I think that it might be, you know, I think that you have to be, you know, and I think that's why I think a lot of people wanted to be famous Mm -hmm. in the past. They really wanted to be famous, but I think that now it's sort of like, well, if I can be famous, I can also make money, yeah, and it would be nice to be able to afford to pay off my college loans, and it was. I think that our, our, you know, our generation is having like entirely different priorities because we've had to. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and I know that I am somewhat divorced from that because I had this, you know, this this uh, money from when I was a kid. But I think that it's really changing the nature of of artistic creation and fame and and money. It's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's sad, all, but it's, it's interesting. It's also revolutionary. Like, it's also like you have to understand that the fact that it's 2016 and a brand wants to be the sponsor of, like, an out, sex-positive, queer, yeah. like, feminist. That's, like... Yeah. And people are mad about that is, yeah. like, crazy to me. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've, I've you know... I mean, I'm, like... It's it's kind of interesting that I'm, like, you, you want a former child star to talk about period panties? Okay. You know? Yeah, like, but Yeah, but, but, but <laughs> like, all right, well, you know. But that's... But your writing speaks for itself, well, I think, in you. that regard. And also... Yeah. I also, you know, I think you contend a lot with, like, whoa, like, you're talking about period panties, like, ruining my childhood, you That's know? That's ruining... I, I Yeah, I like to say that I feed off people's ruined childhoods because... Sorry for growing yeah, up. Yeah, like, right? Like, and and that's the thing, like, I like being an adult. And right? maybe that's because I had some some tough stuff happen to me when I was a kid, you know, even though I did have a lot of wonderful experiences and privileges, especially from ages like five to seven. But, you know, people are like, don't you wish you were a kid again? And I'm like, no, that's when my mom died, you know? Right. That's when I was having panic attacks every day. Right. That's That's when, you know, my brothers left for college and I was really lonely. That's yeah. That's when, you know... I, I was living I with a single think, father. I think people yeah. think fame will fix anything. So, like, yeah. all of your problems, you as Mara Wilson, yeah, are, totally. mean nothing yeah. because you, you were famous. So Well, and I will say, I mean, it has made some things, like, like being having the platform that I have has made some things easier, and it's made some things much harder. I mean, I've, I've realized that, like, 
I've I've dated people that I've met on Twitter. I've mm-hmm. um, um I'm I'm like I actually wouldn't have gotten my cat, one of my cats, <laughs> if I did like the friend on Twitter. I got I got him through them. He, uh, she was moving, and uh, I needed to take him. You um, needed to. I needed to take him. <laughs> he was he was just so sweet and lovable. I needed to take him. She sure. needed someone to take him, and I took him. Uh, I and, had a cat. I got my cat through Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's yeah. It's it's stuff like that, and it's uh, and so it's kind of. I I think that you know I I don't know, but I do also feel this pressure and this responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, and and that you know. And and I have to be I have to be careful. It's something I have to think about every single day. Yeah. When you were like, I don't want to act anymore. Did you take into account? Okay, how else am I going to make money? Yeah, and I think that I wasn't as smart about it as I could have been. I think that I always said that I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a long time, I wanted to go into psychology. I thought that that was really, and that was mostly because I had just been diagnosed with various anxiety disorders, and I think that I was kind of trying to help myself. But I think that and I think I, I thought about doing that and then I realized like I I wasn't good at math at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't as interested in science as I am now and and I was like, no, performing is what I'm good at. Okay, fine, I'll go to theater. So that was my thought for a while that I was I was going to give up film acting and I was going to be this theater artiste. Okay, and, but it's still acting. Yeah, it's still acting and then and then uh, through in college, I finally kind of I kind of weaned myself off of acting. What were you majoring in? So I was a theater major. So okay. I technically did have some interest in acting, but uh, the studio that I was in at NYU was Playwrights Horizons Theater School, and it is all about acting and directing and writing and stage managing and dramaturgy and designing and one person shows and never sleeping ever and <laughs> so i i kind of i just wanted to learn everything and i thought okay well you know maybe there'll be jobs for dramaturgs out there and you know there'll be jobs for stage managers out there and uh, there weren't very many yeah <laughs> and that was a thing too i went to emerson and that was very oh, similar yeah. i didn't study acting i studied journalism but that was like yeah. a big thing there i i yeah i i very nearly went to emerson um so you would, have, you would have actually probably really liked it. I probably, it. I probably yeah. would have. Emerson, it was, it was, yeah. Emerson and NYU were my top choices. Um, a lot of people that don't get into NYU go to Emerson. And that's, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to go to Emerson more than I wanted to go to NYU. Actually, I thought NYU would be too big and cold for me. Yeah. Um, but then NYU let me in, and Emerson didn't. They put what? me on the wait list. That's yeah. Really crazy. But they might have been waiting to see what NYU did. So, that's so weird. Emerson you know. loves courting fame, so that's very well. NYU does too. NYU. Yeah. There was actually, and this actually ties back into money. There was actually a group on Facebook called NYU where child stars come to die. Huh? When I was there, and yep. and because I was there, and Haley Joel Osment had just gotten there, and the Olsen twins were kind of in and out, and uh, and so we. We were uh, it, it was kind of a joke, you know, and and I knew it was a joke and I knew that people were, you know, and people were saying things about me. And I kind of I had to remind myself like, oh, right, this is what it's like to be in the public eye, you know, and people were knocking on my doors asking me if I wanted to party, if I wanted to go out on a date, you know, yeah. things like that just because of the novelty of it. And but I remember looking at that group and being like, OK, whatever, that's the way that, you know, the world is. But being really annoyed when, like, the creator of the group was talking about, like, well, we weren't taught that our million-dollar smiles were going to save us. And I looked at his profile, and this is a guy who grew up in, like, Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. And had, like, three last names and was, Those like, are the people that are most mad. Yeah, <laughs> and had, and had like, three—he he was one of those guys where his name was, like—his name was, like, you know— um, Chandler Fraser Prescott the fourth. Yep, and and uh, and he was like president, or I don't know if he was president, but he was like a part of the cabinet of the NYU College Republicans. Great. And I was like, you have no right to be jealous of me, bro, because I grew up. You know, I I grew up. But that's the thing is that people as far assume... as you're concerned, I'm white trash. Like you would look at me in the way that I lived, in the way that you know, and you would judge me, and you oh, would but think people that, get mad yeah. at me. Like I also come from like a. a a background that isn't the best and like people are like oh you're a youtuber so you're rich you're a youtuber so you're making millions of dollars so like go fuck yourself yeah and it's like 
I think that they there's this thing of like fame equals that's why mental people, and financial stability totally and that's definitely and that's definitely why and I remember listening to you on um on the brand new podcast talking about this and I was just like yeah oh. I well Ariana's a friend of mine from way back so, that's so great so, yeah shout out to brand new podcast and, with Brittany Nichols and Ariana Lenarski yeah Brittany's great um. Yeah, Ariana's little brother was my best friend through preschool and like middle school. She's the and, funniest yeah. person. Her Twitter kills me. Yeah, her Twitter's amazing. Um, so yeah, I I've known her family longer than I've known my own little sister. Weird. Uh, yeah, I went to preschool with uh, with her and her brother. Um, but we uh, so we we kind of like. I don't know. I, I think, like, people think a lot of times also that I'm famous. I will be able to help. Like, somebody asked me the other day if I could help them get Hamilton tickets, and I'm like, no. <laughs> right. No. I or got mine because think... mine were mine were a, 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 that mine were a birthday present from a friend, right. you know, during I previews. If they think, <laughs> I wonder if they think that – because I have had this thought before, too, where they'll, like, be some sort of tabloid article being like, this former child star is broke, like, files for bankruptcy. Yeah. And I'll go, oh, that's weird. Like, why didn't they just, like, start shilling for Crest or, like, start doing – like, why didn't they – just well, that's the thing. Yeah, they, but it's much harder than that. Like, it is. Not... It is much harder. And you know, when I was when I was eighteen, I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to Dancing with the Stars. I'm never going to do these right. things. And I, I mean, I still won't be on Dancing with the Stars because uh... why? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, um, if I like embarrass, if I'm going to embarrass myself in front of other people, I want it to be because I'm letting myself embarrass about, myself. Like, you know, Celebrity Amazing Race. No, I Allison couldn't do that. Allison and I turned I down do the that. Amazing Race. Yeah, I really, I we would love. It down. I would, I would. Although, if they were like, if they did let an American on the Great British Bake Off, because that show is my religion. I would. I'm obsessed with that show. That show is my religion. It's so yeah. great. It's like, it's like television Xanax. It's it really just so is. Calming. It's just, it's so soothing, and, and everyone's so nice to each everybody's other. Everybody's so nice. And the biggest like, scandal is just like someone threw away someone's cake. Like, yeah, like, it's it's you know the sponge is a bit dry, and like and suddenly like yeah the music swells, and then it cuts <laughs> you to these pastoral don't scenes. Don't want to disappoint Mary Cherry. Okay? Yeah, you Mary Mary. Oh God, Mary Berry. That's we scrummy. do this thing all the time. We'll be yeah. Like we'll be like, oh, it's a good, it's a good bake. It's a good, yeah, like, it's a good bake. And that so sometimes, yeah, sometimes I put on my Paul Hollywood face and just go like, that is fantastic. Yep. So yeah. you could do that. That's I would. What I always if they think. let an American on there, I would. I okay, would totally. do I'm that. I'm guilty of being like this. Child star should just go on dancing. Why don't they just go on Dancing with the Stars? Why don't they just do like they? Yeah, why and are I they mean, I understand. And I think, I think for a long time, I was kind of like, I was like, no, there's no dignity in that. And I, oh. and so, and so, I was like, I'd rather work as a barista. I'd rather take tickets. I'd rather babysit and nanny. And that's the but stuff I, that I did do. Yeah, you know, that's but, the stuff that I did do, even though people were like. And I knew people were like probably feeling sorry for me, but I was like, well, there's more dignity in this than or there did is they in doing reality. You, you know? Yeah, like, sometimes. But I mean, there was that whole thing with like Dylan and Cole Sprouse. Um, oh, was there like? Well, a... there was one of them. I've met them both, but I can't. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. One of them was working as a waiter. Yeah. When they were attending NYU. Yeah. And there was like an article, like a Gawker article, being like. Oh my God, Cole Sprouse is working as a waiter. What well, the fuck? You also have to understand the fact that like people want to feel better than you. That's the yeah. thing when you're in this position is people want to feel better than you. They want to have somebody that they can be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry for you. And like, and I mean, I've, I've never liked I've never liked it when people pitied me, but I've kind of gotten used to it, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's just like and when they say that, I just have to be like, like I, I in my head, I'm just kind of like, whatever, I have a happy life. You know, <laughs> I still get embarrassed, though. I still get it. Like yeah. I did Postmates and people were like someone was like, wait, aren't you from like BuzzFeed or aren't you? like?" Yeah. YouTube? And I was like mortified. So I like yeah. the idea of Gawker writing an article being like former star Gabby Dunn, whatever Roche says a waiter is like I still am like I'm like holding my arm. Yeah. Like, look at, yeah, like, totally. Well, yeah. But the thing is that like. That's just the way that it is, you know. We're all kind of struggling actors now, and that's and it's so it's definitely something. I mean, I, I it's 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 definitely hard. It's definitely hard, and it's definitely hard to be, you know, to kind of keep your dignity in this age. And like I think nobody that did people bother you when you were working jobs? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Or I'd get like a "You look familiar," you know. I'd get things like that. Um, and I worked a lot of nonprofit jobs uh, because I, I because I liked them like or like at, with nonprofit organizations I did get paid and people would and I think people would be like oh well she's obviously doing charity work for this and I'd be like no I'm on the payroll <laughs> you know Weird. 
weird. But I also had people saying like, and and this is the thing too, because I walked away from like being a film actor because I walked away, or rather, I walked. I didn't walk away from acting so much as I walked away from like the actor's life. You know, because if I like. If I were to be like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of who actresses are, Blake Lively or Jennifer Lawrence or Emma Stone or all these people, like, I would have to be working out every single day whether I wanted to or not. I would have to have a stylist. I would have to yeah. look a certain way. I would probably have to have plastic Maybe, surgery. Or you do, or you do uh, what I do, which is, like, be a size four and then have people go, you're such a body image role model. Like, that's sort what of is like... That? Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, like, how they put Amy Schumer on the plus size, like, glamour yeah, or whatever. Yeah, which is really... When she's a size yeah, eight. Like, but that's yeah. the stuff that I get, too, is, like, we shot a pilot, and I was like, oh, I look bigger than I wish I did or whatever. But then, yeah. like... I, then you just lean into this weird thing of being like, oh, my God, she's so brave for looking like that. Yeah, right? And it's like, I'm not even, I'm a, literally a size four. Like, yeah. I'm not brave, this I is, promise. This is, yeah, this is this is just who I am, you mm-hmm. know? And so, and that's a thing, too, that, like, I don't, yeah. And I, I, I've had people, like, over and over talking about, like, oh, my God, how sad. And how sad it is that she's not that pretty anymore and blah, 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 blah. And I'm Jesus like, Christ. it's and not then they my just job to be. You. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, over and over again. And I'm like, it's not my job to be pretty. I feel <laughs> Why that way, should I? Yeah. I'm on camera, I but I feel like I'm on camera, but I'm like, well, I'm a, a comedian, so I don't have yeah. to. It doesn't matter if I'm hot. Totally. Well, that's and that's the thing. It's the lifestyle of being an actor and the constant hustle and the constant audition, and the constant comparing yourself to other people. Uh-huh. That does not appeal to me, and neither really does being on a set all the time. Like I've, it's so I was boring. on. It it is really boring, and so, but I, but I do feel like I've said that like acting isn't really fun, and it's not really what I want to do. I hate it, and <laughs> I, it's like horrible. Like that's like what I do. Well, film still, acting, and I fucking hate it. Yeah, film acting, film acting. Like I'm not, I'm not really that into it unless it's friends, unless it's like friends. Like I, I, um, you have to spend so much time quietly sitting next to someone you're working with, just trying to be like. So small talk. Yeah, and and like I had fun on the Broad City set because it was a fun group of people, yeah. you know. But it's it's not something you know I would want to do all the time. And if I'm ever you know writing for a TV show, I'm not going to put myself into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I I, I couldn't. But I see bet they want you doing to. that. They would, but I don't want to. Right. But I don't want to. And so uh, I've I've liked voiceover because voiceover is a lot less pressure. And you don't have to look perfect so much. You just kind of have to sound good. You have a great which, radio voice. Thank you. By the way. I thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm super. Uh, I, I love doing voiceover so much. I, I would do voiceover acting for the mm-hmm. rest of my life if I could. But it's it's people don't realize what a drag acting is, and I think there are also people out there who are like. Well, you could just jump back into acting, could you? And I'm like, no, I would have to audition. I would have to look a certain way. And yeah, I don't want to do just, that. I think that's what I yeah. thought is that I'm like, why is this child actor bankrupt? Like they could just go in and get a movie. Yeah. You can't really it, you do can't, that. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. And I've been offered things, but it's always like, like I've been offered a lot of like independent movies or somebody's like, I'm a, you know, I'm a student working at, you know, UCLA yeah, or whatever. Or probably and like, like Maxim being like, pose nude for us. They have not asked. They have not asked. I don't think that I'm, I, I don't think I'm really their material. Um, and, and nobody's been like, do a porn. No, I think really? that that would really be, I think that I, I, I feel like they always ask child stars. They do, but I think that that's kind of not my thing. They think, which is funny because I do know people who work in porn and the right. people I know who work in porn are all super dorky. Yeah. They all like, they're all really, they're all really, really nerdy people. And yeah. they were that like nerdy kid in high school who afterwards was like, oh, I figured out how to do my eyebrows and now I'm hot and yep. I guess I'm going to have sex with people in front of cameras. Yep. Yeah. All the people I know who, who are in that field are kind of like that. I agree. Um, but there's, but there's, uh, yeah, no, nobody, I think, I don't know. I think I guess that, I always think like you're a commodity so you can just sell that. But no, yeah, but you can't. You can't. No, no, I can't. And, and, uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I would especially want to. Yeah. I'm I'm not. And I, I don't have a problem with people doing it because I think it's, that's a job like any other job. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think I would just feel insecure. I'd be like, oh, but, you know. Or uncomfortable, like, doing something like Dancing with the Stars or doing something Yeah, totally. Like... Putting myself in that kind of thing. Like, I am okay with being embarrassed if I can, if I have a moment to be, to, like, laugh it off and own it, you know? Yeah. And be like, okay, whatever, I tripped, you yeah. know? But 
but doing that i think is just you lose inviting control over yeah well i mean i'm 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 you know i'm i'm totally a control freak in in my own way and so that's definitely something that's why something... we didn't do amazing race yeah and Allison i was, was like, like every she's like severe ocd and she yeah like, so do i so she was yeah. like if i did the amazing race and i didn't and i like they sprung something on me like now you have to eat scorpions or now you have like she's like i yeah. would america would hate me yeah no. i would look like the most spoiled like stuck up person yeah so that's yeah and that's definitely like I like and that's another reason why I don't act is because I like being able to express myself through things and I also know that when I was when I told people I was an actor they kind of looked at me like like they'd look at me like I was an idiot yeah there's this assumption like you you're a film actor you're dumb yeah you know you're not or you're you're not to be taken seriously or you're you're not, you know, I, I felt like people didn't take me seriously as a human being when I was an actor. Yeah. So. And, More so when you're a writer, they think you're smart. Yeah. Yeah. They People do think you're smart when you're a writer. But then I think that there are also a lot more people who can who consider themselves writers these days. So it's kind of like, True. you know, it's sort of like, like I've always said that like everybody, you know, everybody in L.A. is a screenplay. Everybody in hmm. New York has a novel. Everybody everywhere else has a pop culture podcast. Ha! Yeah, and it's it's That's true. Why this you is know? a podcast about finances. Yeah, and <laughs> and it's true. I've been asked so many times, like, can you come to New Jersey to my mom's house to do a podcast? Oh, and I'm like, and I, I can't because there's safety in, involved, and also people people don't want to compensate me for my time. That's the big people thing. really don't. So, yeah, in terms of like making money as a creative, I think like how have you found it to sort of ask for payment for things or ask for? Do you have reps? Uh, yeah, I do. So to like how, because I've, I, in the beginning of my career, it did not occur to me to ask for money for things. Yeah, same. And I think that I was just kind of like, and I, I I don't know, I felt guilty. I had this guilty about, about my acting and my, you know, exposure. So I was just kind of like, I was just happy to be asked to do anything. And I look back now on some of the things that I've done in the past few years and I'm like, should I really have done that? You know, was that really the best idea to do? And I'm not going to elaborate on the things that I did, but like, but stuff you were getting paid for. Um, yeah, or stuff that was that was giving me exposure when I actually needed it. You yeah. Know? Now I don't need it so much, and that's the thing I, people don't understand when they invite me onto their podcast or their you don't need it. or their stand up show is like I I don't really need that stuff. If I'm going to be, you guys yeah. hear that? This just means Mara likes me as a person. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. My rule oh, for doing my rule for doing podcasts is like I have have to have heard of them, or I have Ooh. to know the person who's doing it, or you know, I I have to. It's it's one or those, and I feel I feel cruel and I feel awful being like. I'm sorry, I can't come do your no, pop but culture time podcast, is money. No, but it really is. Do not feel bad. Time is money. I feel that way, too. I always felt very guilty saying no to things. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you can just say no. Because it's your job. Because you don't have to drive to Playa Vista to be on someone's podcast about, like, yeah. whatever. Well, my nephew, I, my, I remember, like I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm close with my brothers and sister. And a few months ago, I was out visiting my uh, my little nephew. And at the time, I was, like, trying to write notes to people that I wanted my book sent to. You know, and and uh, and I was I was working on that all the time. And he was like, come play with me. And I was like, OK, but just let me finish up this, you know, letter to Roxanne Gay right. <laughs> or whoever. And and he goes, why do you always have to take so many meetings and take so many emails and and do all these things? Why do you have to be doing that all the time? And I said, well, look, I have the freedom to come out and, and come here and visit you. Your parents, they go to work and they come home. Mm hmm. I don't do that. I'm I'm working all the time. Yeah. And that's the only way that my schedule is flexible enough that I'm able to to come out there. And, you know, and that's, you know, and it's also because I had this money from when I was a kid. Yeah. And and I had to explain that to him. Like, your parents go to work and they come home. I don't ever come home. <laughs> that's how I feel. You always could get an email. You always yeah. could. Even wherever you are, you totally. could get a phone call you need to take. And I've gotten used to it, you know, but it but it can be hard. Yeah. So um, I talked to uh, Cameron and Rhea in their episode. I don't know if that will air before or after this one, but about being sort of a small business yeah. as a person. Yeah. And um, in your book, uh, uh, this is notes from our producer, Sam, who's a big fan. Uh, he said, in your book, there's an amazing chapter about realizing that by being an actor, the public feels like they own you. Yeah. And that you're sort of a public domain, public commodity. Um, when you do your independent work and stuff these days, is it like running a, like the Mar Wilson small business? Like you are sort of like the biz, the brand, you know? A little bit, I think, but I'm still not quite sure what my brand is, you know? And I would never like, like I would never create a lifestyle website. Like even if I were more famous, I like, I don't, 
I don't think that I. <laughs> but what do you I don't think know. people are buying when they're like, "Oh, write something for me"? Or um, I think that they. I. I'm. I mean, I think that I. I think that I appeal to a certain subset of the population. I think that it's it's mostly. I would say similar demographics. It's it's mostly women. Ages eighteen to thirty, mm-hmm. um, usually queer women and uh, and uh, women who who grew up feeling kind of nerdy and bookish, mm-hmm. who loved Matilda. And this is the thing too that I've realized is that I've been kind of conflated with Matilda. Yeah, and like, I mean, I loved to read when I was a kid, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I was in the gifted program, but I don't know how smart that actually makes you. But people I think so are like, people thought they were Matilda. Yeah, I think a lot of people say that, and and I, I think that actually just shows how starved we are for you know intellectual women. That's the role only models. like oh a smart yeah. young girl, and that's literally until Hermione Granger was like the only yeah. example of that. And that's the thing too. Like I often wonder if like if like people because I know people probably think that I'm smarter than I am because of Matilda sometimes I wonder if Emma Watson is the same way are people like definitely oh you must be smart because you're you know definitely I mean it helps like when she got into Brown I think people were just like oh yeah of course you got into Brown like you're Hermione yeah yeah she could have been a total dum-dum yeah I mean colleges colleges also do do like to let you in like I had people saying to me when I was applying to college they were like well why don't you why don't you apply to Yale and I was like, well, because I don't think they'll let me in. I mean, I'm not very organized. My grades aren't that good. And they're like, yeah, but you're in name. And that happened uh, also when I applied to NYU. I remember talking to my brother about it and saying, oh, I don't want to use my name to get into college. And he's like, OK, but Mara, if it's between you, who was in a movie when you were eight and you headed it, and a kid who was, you know, Charlie Brown in Scarsdale High School's You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, they already know that you've had success, you know, they, they don't know about that other kid. So right. that's what they're going to. And yeah, and I think you're kind of looking at the cold facts of it. Anyway, back to branding and such. I don't know. I think that I think that uh, I, I kind of just try to put the the best of me forward. Um, like I try to, to do that between. Yeah. The brand Marvelson and the person Marvelson. Totally, totally. And I think there's a lot of things that I'm 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 I'm. I'm very honest about things, and that's that's you know me in my real life too. I've also very much learned to value privacy lately because I think that for a long time i've I was just kind of compulsively honest about things, but now it's sort of like like I think that that in this this world now there's been this shift where it used to be if you are in the news all the time, you immediately have power, you know if you have these things, but I think now there's been this shift because everybody's kind of public. That what you have that's private is is most valuable, and you have to value that privacy, and you also have to have that privacy because it keeps you sane, it keeps you steady. And being you know? in the news all the time doesn't equal money. No, either. it doesn't. Like I'm, it really I doesn't run my mouth and I get articles written about me or whatever, but I'm not getting paid for those articles. Yeah, totally. Whoever fucking gets the clicks gets paid. For yeah, that article totally. About me, totally. So that's that's uh, yeah, and that's and that's the way that it is. It's not you know that's not what like power and and control necessarily is. You know, I mean, there's there's definitely that's that's definitely some people like that. Some people like to be kept in the news all the time, but yeah. you know. So why do a memoir then? Um, because I felt. Honestly, I, 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 well, for one thing, I felt like there were a lot of people who kind of had questions about me, you know, and, and and that's why the name is Where Am I Now? Because, because people kind of don't know. And also because for most of my life, I've always felt a little out of place. Yeah. I always felt like, I always felt like, and, and it wasn't, it, well, eventually I think in my teen years, it kind of gave way to this kind of superiority, like, well, I'm not like the other girls. I'm not like the other boys kind of, you know, I'm not like the other kids kind of thing. Um, but uh, but I think that when I think that when I I was young, I mean, I was born the first girl out of three boys, you know, after three boys, and I was growing up Jewish in in Burbank, which at the time was like, I mean, it was it was mostly Protestant and Catholic mm-hmm. there, you know, big uh, Latino Catholic population, and and you know these, and so I was sort of like the only one, yeah. I felt like I was the only Jewish kid in my class, and I, I and I I felt like I was the only Jewish kid I knew, and I was the only Jewish kid in my class, and so there was that, and there was being a girl in this family full of boys mm-hmm. that immediately I was like, 
oh, I'm not this. And also, I think in acting, you have to set yourself apart from other people, you know. And that's the thing that I think is is difficult with acting, too, is, you know, people who grow up in acting, they're going to go in there and you have to think to yourself, like, I'm better than her. I'm better yeah, than her. It's inherently yeah. competitive. So so I I felt kind of set apart um, and so that kind of and that kind of continued through the rest of my life, sort of trying to find places where I felt like I could fit. And I think that I'm also a big worrier and I'm, I'm skeptical about things. And so it's kind of hard for me to lose myself, you know, like yeah. I, I which you need to do for acting, which I you guess. definitely need to do for acting, which is another reason I don't act that much anymore, because it does not play to my skill sets. So but I think that there were people out there who really loved Matilda. And I realized that there were people out there that really loved Matilda and really identified with her. And were trying to get this picture of who the girl behind her was that they couldn't from just reading my IMDb. You yeah, know, yeah, I wanted yeah. to speak for myself. I wanted to tell my own stories. And I always, always, always wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. That was my dream to write a book. And and even when I was filming, I was always writing something. I was always writing a play, a screenplay, a book, something. We would perform them. We would, you know, get out a little camcorder and do that. And I was way more excited about those than I was about the actual movie itself. Yeah. Because I had some creative input there. So, so I think I eventually, after college, I eventually trusted myself enough to to put my writing out there it took me years but i but i eventually trusted myself what is what was the first thing that you published um let's see i think well there's actually a really fun story in my book about this really really stupid backstage screwball sex comedy that i wrote when i was (laughs) 21 or 22 yeah and it was it was uh it was put up at a couple little festivals and I was like, and I was really worried because I was like, oh, people are going to be like, Matilda's writing about sex. And you that's know, why I was asking. Yeah. yeah. I wondered how it would I be with so, your name on it. I was so scared. But I mean, first of all, it didn't really get that much of an audience. And second of all, like, it, it was a dumb, funny little play, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and so I think it was, it was, and I had friends acting in it and they embarrassed themselves in it for me. And I love them for that. And, and there was then there was a play I wrote called Sheeple, which I've been working on in college for a long time, and that got put into the fringe, and things like that. I was like, oh, maybe I actually am a good writer, and I started doing live storytelling, and I felt good that that felt really good to me, and so and and doing some comedy writing too. What was the reaction from people though? Um, it was it was mostly good. It was mostly like, oh, hey, she can actually write. Oh yeah. Oh hey, she can actually. She's actually pretty good at this. She's actually pretty interesting. And I was lucky. I, I got to use that. You know that that following that I had, like that kept my. You know that that was my foot in the door. That was you know. Oh, this is what you know. People people make up stories about people. Right. When they don't know everything that happened, and I was kind of tired at the time of people making up stories about me. So I wanted to kind of reclaim my own life, my own story. Right. And then you get to go. Okay, it's all out there. It's literally on a yeah. shelf. Like if yeah. you want to know, fucking read it. But but now I think I've, I feel a little bit more relaxed about that. Like I'm like, okay, people are gonna think some dumb things about me, but I just kind of have to accept that. I'm you shocked. Know. This is the thing that I've talked about on Twitter is that I'm like completely shocked by the confidence with which people are just lying. Yeah. Like, where like they'll be like someone will go like like is Gabby like they'll be like is Gabby gay and then someone underneath will be like yes she is. Yeah. This I is know. her girlfriend. And I it's know. like not. And then I'll be like what? why doesn't anybody ever say like I think so or I don't know or here's a link. Like yeah. the level of like confidence with, with which people are well, like people make up this stories. is her boyfriend and it's not is yeah. like what, what? People make up stories and I got tired of that and I think maybe that's why like I did a one woman show my senior year at NYU and I think maybe that it was that need to kind of inspire it but actually by the time that I had written that I started writing my book it felt less about that. I felt like I had put a representation of myself out there. And actually what I wanted to do was I wanted to write uh, novels. I thought about writing young adult novels because I've always loved writing uh, yeah. teenagers. My, I mean, my my little like 10 minute play that got published, that was about college students and my, and Sheeple was about teenagers. Uh, yeah. And I grew up in a house with three older brothers. They were all teenagers when I was growing up. So I spent time just listening to these guys talk. So that was really where, you know, that was really something that I felt comfortable with that I liked. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll get into YA. Everybody's doing it, you know. Yeah. And then and then I, I had interest in people and people were like, oh, yeah, why don't you write this? And then eventually people were like, actually, uh, we're more interested in you writing a memoir first. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can do that because I'm lucky in that I, I'm just happy when I'm writing. Yeah. I don't really care what it's about, if it's about myself or it's about something else. 
I'm just happy when I'm writing. I mean, I think my favorite thing to write is dialogue, but I'm I'm happy when I'm writing. So they were like, okay, but we'll actually pay you for a memoir. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Who's, who's the publisher? <laughs> um, Penguin, Viking Penguin. Cool, cool. Yeah. I am worried sometimes. I'm like, is mine just going to be another, you know, book to add to the pile? But I, I think that I'm, like I said, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful that I do have this following of people who probably are going to be reading it. And also you know? it's not coming out of left field where, like, you're not, like, an actor who then wrote, like, you've been writing for years. So yeah, like that's true. So it's not, like, as if, like, okay, this is, like, maybe someone wrote this for her. I didn't write <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, I didn't write it with a... Um, a I didn't, yeah, I didn't write it with a ghostwriter. It was very much writing is what I have wanted to do my right, entire right, life. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I also think maybe the Matilda thing helps where they're like, oh, yes, this book is per- bookish person who yeah. even if they conflate you guys. It's true. It's like, well, she yeah. wrote a book. That's exactly what Matilda would do. Yeah, exactly. And I've had people say to me, like, oh, you kind of grew up to be Matilda. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not true. But I do think that, you know, yeah. Matilda and I probably would have been friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny that you said it's that it's queer women because I think also it's one of the only things you talked about being starved for representation it's like one yeah. of the only things with like two women being friends or like two like yeah. female like well, empowerment I've been asked over and over again did you have a crush on Miss Honey growing up <laughs> and the truth is that no I, I didn't because Embeth was like a sister to me right so but it is just like a nice sort of like yeah uh, oh, these are two. This is like a story where the women yeah. are not antagonists to each other. Yeah, and I really have to give Danny credit for doing that. Danny DeVito, he he definitely, you know, he and and Andrea Perlman are very they're very progressive people, and mm-hmm. they're people who think that you know ahead of its time. They they are yeah they're they're great. They're both great. Um, so we had a financial psychologist on the show, mm-hmm. and he talked a lot about rich person thinking and poor person thinking. And I, my whole thing is like I'm a very like I grew up in a hippy dippy household, so my whole thing is sort of like you can't take it with you, man, and yeah. like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then in your book, um, you talk about sort of the, an obsession with death and dying, and yeah. and so does like how does that sort of nihilistic thinking does that go into like <laughs> how you how you view spending money? I'd say fatalistic, money? not nihilistic. Or okay. maybe it's nihilistic but not fatalistic. Like, I, I, I accept the fact that, like, I think about death all the time, yeah. but, but so I'm not like, hopeless whatever, about man, it. So are you just like, whatever, man, let me just enjoy life because who cares? Not really. I'm not I'm not a carefree person by any stretch of the imagination. I'm always, I, but there is, I do, like, remind myself a lot, like, okay, but you're going to die, you but know? But I find that kind of freeing. Like, I find In that, like, ways, yeah. who cares, man? Like, Go travel. Well, I feel like for me, that's like that's like what lights a fire under my ass. That's what keeps me going creatively and like as a friend. And that's what keeps me like, you know, texting the people I love and being like, hey, just so you know, I love you and you're important to me. Just in case this plane crashes. Yeah. 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 It doesn't. I don't have. Yeah. I I, and I mean, like I, I did that yesterday on the plane, you know. Um, and uh, make sure your last tweet was actually really funny. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> that is that is a very and I've always said that like if I die in a really dumb way, please know that my last thoughts will be I knew it. Yeah, you know? I'm con- I'm convinced. Yeah. I'm very um bad with spatial awareness, so I'm like, well, at least I know that the way I'm going out is a freak accident yeah. of my own making. I feel like, like I yeah, totally. To myself. I feel like I I'm, I have really bad spatial awareness issues too. Yeah, I'm I I. I can't like I can barely tell my left from my right sometimes, um, which is awful because I'm learning to drive. Um, oh my god! So so, but it makes you. Does it make you anxious then to not spend money, or does it go the other way where I like how I'm just like, what am I going to be a pharaoh and get I think buried there was with definitely, my gold? There was definitely a part of me that was like, I need to buy this because I might need it someday. Mm-hmm. So I was never like a shopaholic, but I did have like some hoarder tendencies because I was just like, oh shit, this thing at CVS is something that I could really use probably. Right. You know, and and then I'm like, this is like a piece of plastic crap like this is not something that I actually need you know but like if you look in my purse or my backpack like there's everything in there at all time and everybody's just like oh yeah you're like the mom of the friend group yeah you have a you band-aid know? you have Tylenol yeah totally totally like Tied I stick. yeah I've, I've got all that stuff on me like at all times and so I think that it's it's because of that I'm kind of a worrier I'm not really a spendthrift I don't spend money on a lot of things but um Except for cabs. Cabs are my vice. I was going to say, what's like an extravagance? Cabs. Yeah, I take cabs way too much. Why? Because um, because I tend to over plan and I tend to underestimate how much time it takes me to get somewhere or to get ready. Yeah. So I end up looking at my watch and being like, oh, shit, I need to take a cab. So it's it's that. And it's also just I think that 
I mean, growing up in L.A., there's the car culture and everything. And I, I didn't really like it because I, I get car sick easily. But there's something about taking a cab home at the end of the night, especially when you've, like, you know, had a few drinks, um, which is that feels to me like when you fell asleep in the car on a long road trip. It's comforting. And yeah. And and like it, it reminds me in a way of like, you know, my mom or dad like picking me up and carrying me to bed. Aww. You know, there's something kind of. It's very New York and like romanticized. There is totally. And like I've had so many. I have like a whole thing on my on my on my phone. It's just like notes that I've saved or like they're they're just like all the things that I think about when I'm like coming home after a late night in a cab, you know? Yeah. And I go to a lot of friends shows because I'm kind of I mean, as anybody who follows me on Twitter can see, I'm very big on promoting my friends thing. I was told when I was young um, by my like an Orthodox Jewish we 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 went to an Orthodox temple even though we weren't Orthodox um, it say it like Orthodox Jewish friends uh, that uh, every time you give credit to somebody that who deserves it uh, you hasten the Messiah's arrival oh and I obviously don't believe in that literally yeah, but yeah. but I but I do still kind of do it figuratively like you should give credit to people mm-hmm. you should promote other people you should help other people I and agree. so that's something that I think and I think that's also the reason why when I do tend to spend the most money is when I'm with friends friends are visiting or my sister's visiting or I'm visiting my family you mm-hmm. know I'm the one who treats them all to ice cream and and you know, and and does that, and if, if that's that a way, can, if that can make you feel good or like mental health, it makes or me like make yeah. you feel like connected or make people like. I hate like yeah. I would even when I didn't have money. Like if my friend was like, I can't go to dinner. I'd be yeah, like, Oh my god, totally. I'll, I've got this totally. And that's yeah, and that's really those are like my extravagances. Is that's because I want them to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've I've told all my brothers and sister. I've said to them, listen. Um, if you guys ever want to come visit me in New York, I will pay for your flight and I will put you up. Yeah. You know, and that is because it's it makes me happy to see them, you right. know, and and friends as well. You know, uh, close friends. I, you know, I'll treat to dinner because it's, you know, it's it's that is like really what is important to me. And I know I sound incredibly cheesy saying that, but that is. To end on, can we hear some of the notes that you're writing in those cabs just to make sure that those cabs are really worth paying for? Yes, you can. Uh, they're, they're probably going to be a little weird. Do you want like a like a smart one or like a ridiculous one? Both, please. Okay. <laughs> one of them I remember was I had an idea for a song and I wrote it down. And the next morning I woke up and all it said was they were covered in foam. In that were the lyrics to the song? <laughs> I guess so. Or is this I an idea for a music video? I don't know. I have no idea. But either way, it doesn't sound like something I would have. Um, let's see. Um, okay, here's one. Uh, you got to pick your bitterness battles. Is that just a thought? <laughs> yes. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I like that. Uh, let's see. Um, don't be petty, I guess. Yeah. Oh, but I'm so good at being petty. Yeah, I, I know. Same, same. Yeah. Um, uh, novelty wears off like when perfume gets mixed with sweat. Whoa. <laughs> These are tweets. Yeah. Um, These are some good this is, I think, Jack Handy-level tweets. This is a conversation, let's see, I, uh, this conversation with somebody about lawyers. Uh, patent lawyers are the dorkier lawyers. Um, you're boring because you've never had to not be. I think I was talking to somebody attractive when I came yes. up with that last one. Uh, yes. Really attractive guys are, yeah. Um, oh, here's a great one. All families are cults in a way. Great. Great. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> this is like they just they hack your phone and they're like we're ge- we're gonna get nudes and then they're just like no here's our <laughs> the fucking weirdest thoughts we've ever you know what we were yeah. they immediately regret <laughs> hacking you and are just like put it back put it back oh man it's just photos of cats and weird shit <laughs> yeah you know what this was a mistake I don't know what we thought we'd find oh my god yeah they find out that I'm actually the love child of like uh, of like <laughs> what is it Annie Dillard and Jack Handy or yeah, something yeah 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 <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming no, on the thank show. You. It's been my pleasure. I really appreciate you affirming uh, that you like me and that all the people you've said no to, you don't like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Bad With Money. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell all your friends who are bad with money that this is the show for them. We're part of the Panoply Network. Our producers are Sam Dingman and Afim Shapiro. Andy Bowers is Panoply's chief content officer. Original music for our show was composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. 
Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera, which is incredible. Sing it out loud every time. Our show art is by Cameron Glavin and Dan Blondell. I'm Gabby Dunn. Thanks for enjoying this bonus episode. Stay in touch with me on Twitter, at Gabby Dunn. There will be more Bad With Money for Season 3 soon. <laughs>